Hi, my name is Ricky Langford from High Performance Work Health International. Today we're going to be talking about sleep. Now, not about all of the, the facts of sleep, but the problem that about 40% of Australians are having on a regular basis, and that is not getting good sleep. Welcome to the Great Life Podcast with Ricky Langford, demystifying the science of health and talking about practical ideas for everyday problems. When we're talking about getting poor sleep, we're actually talking about two factors that cause that. One is insomnia, and the other thing is sleep disorders. So when we talk about insomnia, there are all sorts of different subcategories of insomnia, but primarily we're talking about people who can't get to sleep, which we call sleep onset insomnia. There are people who can't stay asleep, and we call that sleep maintenance insomnia, and there are those people who sleep generally okay, but wake up really tired all the time and unrefreshed. The second part is sleep disorders. So we're talking about things like obstructive sleep apnea and restless leg syndrome. And there are a few others. Today, I want to just quickly pad out a few points that we need to know about when it comes to insomnia. So when we're talking about insomnia, we've got to put it in perspective. Some of them can last a lot longer than others and sometimes only last for a day or two. And if it's just a day or two, it's fine. So we want to classify insomnia. One is called transient insomnia, which means that your symptoms tend to present for less than a week. You know, something's come up that makes you a bit uncomfortable or, or you're just not sleeping well for a handful of days, and that's called transient insomnia. Short-term insomnia is symptoms where you struggle to sleep for one to four weeks. And of course, you know, at certain times of our lives, that sort of insomnia can be quite present. However, chronic insomnia, where those symptoms present for more than one month, that's the sort of stuff that we get really worried about. So when we're talking about insomnia, it can be transient, which means less than a week, uh, short term, one to four weeks, and then chronic, longer than a month at a time. And that's where we get really concerned about your symptoms and your insomnia issues. The Great Life Podcast with Ricky Langford. The first major issue with insomnia that we see with most people is sleep onset insomnia. And that's the people who go to bed they feel really tired, they put their head on the pillow and they cannot go to sleep. Now, there are all sorts of reasons for that. One could be poor sleep hygiene, which is the way you prepare your room and your body for sleep, which we'll talk about a bit in a minute. The other one is they have an issue with their brain not switching off. And we've all been there. You go to bed and all of a sudden you start thinking about what you've got to do tomorrow. You know, the issues you're having with your family, with your workmates, whatever it might be. Some people who have anxiety have a real problem and 90% of anxious or depressed individuals have a huge issue with getting to sleep or staying to sleep. The other thing we might also have a problem with is that you go to bed and, and you start to think, oh my God, I've got to get to sleep. I need to get to sleep. I've got to be awake in seven hours time. And people actually have really rigid expectations of what sleep's all about. So they actually don't go to bed and go, ah, oh, I'm going to go to sleep. The other big issue we have with people is that they, they go to bed and guess what? The telly's on or they're watching their iPad or they're checking their emails. Now, because of the way our brains and bodies work, if you're one of those people who do other things in your bedroom, well, then your body and brain will get used to associating the bedroom and the bed for other things other than sleep. The bedroom is designed purely for two things generally, and that is to sleep in and for intimacy. 
So if you're struggling to go to sleep, a lot of people say, oh, hang on, I need to have that television to go to sleep. Well, because of the light and a few other things, yes, you'll go to sleep because you're really tired, but the quality of sleep you get becomes significantly compromised. So we've got to get rid of that TV and those other distractions from the bedroom as well. So the second type of insomnia we want to talk about is sleep maintenance insomnia. So that's the the day where you go to bed and you fall asleep relatively quickly and you're sleeping through beautifully, then you wake up four or five hours or maybe three or four hours after you've gone to sleep. And you go, okay, I better go back to sleep, but you can't. Now, there are all sorts of reasons why that happens. It could be for a lot of people is they just get worried about not getting enough sleep. So you're laying in bed going, oh, it's four o'clock, I better, you know, I better make sure I get to sleep, I need another hour and a half sleep. And then it's like, you look at the clock and it's 4.31. 4.35, 4. And so worrying about sleep is actually one of the real problems for a lot of people, not getting enough sleep. It could be that you're depressed. Now, we absolutely know that people who suffer from very significant anxiety disorders or depression, they, will, they are always having issues with sleep. So typically, it's actually, they tend to go to sleep okay, generally, but then they tend to wake up and not be able to get to sleep because their brain's running away, thinking about things and worrying about things. It can be menopause. Now, obviously, I'm the last man to talk about this, but, um, you know, menopause, women get the hots and the colds and the hots and the colds, and, the, and, and that often will happen, you know, sometimes when they first go to sleep. So it might be a sleep onset insomnia issue, but we also see it as a sleep maintenance insomnia. Wake up, can't go back to sleep because of those, those symptoms. Now, alcohol could be an issue for getting back to sleep, but also going to sleep because, you know, what you don't realise about alcohol is, is that it's actually a poison. When you break alcohol down, it's basically ethanol. And that little tiny sugary beast changes the way your hormones work. So it can affect your ability to go to sleep. But one of the other things it does is that it, it affects your hormone levels that have to sort of be in the right ratios to make sure you stay asleep and keep sleeping. Um, and so often you'll wake up because your hormones aren't quite right. Or the other thing that happens too with the booze, remembering is it's a massive diuretic. So it makes you want to go to the toilet. So you'll, lay them, you'll wake up and go, oh, I have to pee. And a lot of us will go, oh, bugger, I'll get up and I'll go take a whiz. But it ruins your sleep because you turn the lights on and all things change. Or it could be medical issues, pure and simply that you've got a bad back or a bad knee. And often when you go to bed, you go, oh, it feels better. But after about two or three hours, they start to ache. And you get the achy back and the achy knees and those type of things. It could be the medication you're on. Some of the medications that people take these days can interfere with your sleep. So if, if that's an issue, you've got to go to see your GP. Or it simply could be because your room is not very good. In a lot of the states, particularly in uh, you know, places like Queensland, where you know, it's light at 4.15 in the morning or 4.30 in the morning at certain times of the year, you could be in a room which is just being bathed in sunlight. And of course, your body is trained to be awake at, when it gets light. So it shallows your sleep out. And you're trying to go back to sleep, but hormonally, you can't go back to sleep. So we know that there are things physically that we can do to change our environment or change our hormones work or psychologically what we can do to change the way our brain's running away with itself. So now we want to talk about those points. Demystifying the science of health, the Great Life podcast with Ricky Langford. So if insomnia is your problem, that is that you can't get to sleep or you can't stay asleep or you're waking up unrested a lot of the time, we need to do some things about that. So here are the basics, and these basics are pretty boring, 
but we need to do them. One, the body loves a rhythm. Your body clock, your circadian rhythm, requires hormones to be secreted at certain times. And if you start changing that rhythm, it'll mess up your sleep. So what the body loves is to go to bed roughly at the same time every day and roughly wake up the same time every day. Now, for those who might do shift work or do rotating rosters, that's almost impossible to do. But on your roster that you're on, go to bed at the same time and wake up at the same time. When you're at home, go to bed at the same time and wake up roughly at the same time, within 30 minute block at least. We need to eliminate alcohol and stimulants close to bedtime. That alcohol too close to bedtime, or those stimulants like caffeine and those energy drinks and all those types of things, they will affect your sleep. They may not stop you from going to sleep, but they might keep you from getting deep sleep or restful sleep or wake you up so you can't stay asleep for long enough. So no alcohol within an hour and a half of bedtime. I can see you all going, how do I do that? And certainly no stimulants. So most of the central nervous system stimulants like caffeine and the likes and, and nicotine, some of those things will stimulate the hormones that shallow your sleep out, not necessarily stop you from sleeping or make you wake up earlier than you'd like to. They can affect your hormones for four to five hours. We want to limit your activities in bed. Now, of course, we all know there's certain activities that help us go to sleep and we don't want to limit that in any shape or form. But we don't want you watching TV. We don't want you having the iPad or the phone there. You know, your bedroom is for intimacy and for sleeping in. We need to make sure that your body and your brain associate that bed with the restful activities that it should. We don't want you to eat or drink too close to bedtime, particularly if you're a day worker, particularly, because we know that when you eat too close to bedtime, your body's actually not designed to be digesting food and that changes your hormone balance. It may stop you from going to sleep, but for a lot of people, it'll stop you from staying asleep. If you are a warrior or you're anxious or you're struggling with depression, you need to get some methodology in and around slowing your brain down. And that is things like learning how to meditate, which for someone who was always a skeptic about meditation, I think is one of the greatest things you can ever do now. And that takes hundreds of different forms. You can learn to do progressive muscle relaxation, which is squeezing parts of your body and then relaxing. And again, I was a skeptic about these things myself in the early days. And it, these techniques are amazingly effective. And we'll try and give you some more information about those uh, in, in future episodes. We want you to get all your worries away. So it might be that if you worry about the things you have to do tomorrow or whatever else, you can write a list out. But please don't do that while you're laying in bed. Make sure you do that well before you go to bed. We don't want you to go to bed and then having treat your going to sleep time as a time to think about going to do the things you have to do tomorrow. We need to get those things out of the way before you go to bed. What we also need you to do is to make sure that you exercise on a regular basis. Now we know exercise is, is like the, almost the best medication we can all take. It helps increase our ability to go to sleep. It increases the quality of our sleep. It decreases issues around anxiety and depression. It's a natural antidepressant. So get, get your exercise and that'll help you sleep. But remembering, please don't exercise too close to bedtime because we know if you're really hot, it's hard to, to cool down and, and cooling down is part of going to sleep. Some of these points might seem a little bit aggressive, a bit too rigid. And look, you don't have to be perfect, but if you're not getting to sleep or staying asleep or getting restful sleep, one or two of these points could be the key to make sure that that stops happening, that you actually get a good sleep and you wake up refreshed. Because remembering your physical and mental recovery 
only really happens while you're asleep. So we have to do these things really well. I get lots of people to come to me and say, but doesn't sleep change as you get older? And it's true, it does. And we do see more insomnia as we age and it becomes more common for sure. But there are reasons for that. One could be that you simply are changing your sleeping pattern. So people often say, oh, hang on, you know, I wake up at 4.30 in the morning all the time and I cannot go back to sleep. Often when we talk to them, they've gone to bed at nine, they fell, fell asleep fairly quickly and they've already got seven and a half hours sleep roughly in and they actually don't need any more and the body's saying time to wake up. So you're laying in bed going, oh, I really do feel like I need to get more sleep, but you've actually been there for seven and a half hours. So the changes of your patterns of sleep change. We also know as we get older, the hormone that helps really get us into deep sleep and recovered sleep called melatonin, that hormone is not quite as available as it used to be. So we do find it a little bit harder to get that really good quality sleep. And that also means that we have to make sure all our sleep hygiene things are done well prior to bedtime. It can be changes in your physical activity. As we get older, typically we don't do as much as we did when we were younger physically. And one of the things that increases melatonin production, which helps us sleep even better and longer and deeper, is activity. One of the, one of the waste products of burning energy um, is, a, is a hormone that increases melatonin. So as we get less active, we tend not quite get as good a sleep more often than not. There are changes in our health status. We've got bad knees, bad backs, you know, we snore more, we get a bit heavier, all those things happen as we typically get older and those things can affect your sleep. You know, laying in bed with sore knees and it wakes you up and you can't go back to sleep or you can't go to sleep. And the other thing is medications. Now, a lot of the medications we take these days are absolutely necessary for, for the ailments we might be fighting, but some of those medications can interfere with our sleep, which makes it really important that you talk to your GP or the treating physician about what meds that you can take that may not interrupt your sleep. But as we get older, it does get harder to sleep. Not massively, but a little bit harder to sleep well. So if you are still struggling with insomnia and you've done all those other things pretty well, it's time to seek out some other therapies. So go and see your sleep specialist or talk to your GP or your, your health practitioner and they can start to talk about whether you might need a bit of bedtime therapy restriction or some stimulus control or some bright light therapy. So we've talked about insomnia. Now, it's okay to have the odd night where you don't sleep so well, or it might be a couple of nights in a row because, you know, there might be just a momentary uh, bit of stress in your life or a little bit of anxiety around something. But if it starts to become that more than a week or more than four weeks and that chronic insomnia, you really need to do something about it because what we do know about sleep is it is a critically important part of your well-being. If you ask me, it's probably almost as important as eating, to be perfectly honest. So what we need you to do is if you do have a chronic insomnia problem, make sure you go and get some good medical attention. If you're just looking for the occasional correction on, on insomnia, those hints and tips are really basic things to do but incredibly effective. But one thing I will say is if you sleep well, you'll certainly feel well.